Welcome to Live Let Thrive, a podcast about the Airbnb life, the share economy, and everything in between. Here are your hosts, Micah and Steve. Hello, 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 and welcome back to another exciting episode of Live Let Thrive. <laughs> what is up, Micah, man? I am chilling, Stevie Stacks. How you doing? Oh, pretty good. We are at episode 128, are we not? Yes, sir. And we have a special guest. And the special guest wrote me a little lead-in to read-in. A lead-in to read-in. You like that? Okay. And it goes like this. Our special guest is Travers Xanthos, a seven-figure Airbnb entrepreneur and mentor that has a portfolio of 30 short-term rental properties. He has a background in finance and sales and has found a way to not only survive the pandemic, but actually thrive. I love to thrive. During these times, we are excited to host him. I like how you wrote that last part, Travers. I mean, yeah, how, did, how did you know? Yeah, we were going to be excited. Really. I, I, I don't know. I kind of <laughs> it that way. I thought you might like it. <laughs> we do. I do like it, actually. Can I ask the first question, Micah? Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, Travers Xanthos. Are you an intergalactic uh, smuggler or bounty hunter, <laughs> by the way, by chance? Well, yeah, that was before the Airbnb thing. That's what <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, a name like Trevor Zanthos. That's what I made the name up for. <laughs> that's an epic name, man. Thank you. So it's Greek, eh? Yep. Cool. Yeah, thanks. Well, we're happy to have you on the show, man, and we know you're going to bring it today. I'm glad to be here. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for coming on. So let's get get straight to it. Where do you uh what do you where do you operate your thirty there are thirty rentals out of? Are you multiple? They're all in Nashville right now. Really? Okay. Yeah, did a lot of planning. I was planning on, you know, expanding to other cities, uh, but twenty twenty uh has kind of changed changed that path for now. So right now they're all in Nashville. Okay. So you do in the city of Nashville or the Smoky Mountains, or are you just dead in the city? All in the city, yep. Okay. Okay. All urban rentals. Okay, and you have thirty of them out there. Gee, yeah. So has, is the market saturated with you having thirty, or because it sounds like you um, might be competing with yourself? <laughs> well, it's a huge tourist destination spot. I mean, if you look at AirDNA, uh, Nashville usually comes in in the top five, sometimes top three uh, for short-term rental destinations in the U.S. Um, and it's continuing to grow. So there's definitely room for all the, the short-term renters that are here. Um, but it's starting to get a little bit saturated and um, prices are, you know, starting to go down a little bit. Okay. And what size units do you have? One bed, two, three? I have anything from one bedrooms to three bedrooms. So majority of them are one bedrooms, um, but I have a couple more trickled in. Okay. And are you are buy them? Do you buy all yours or you arbitrage? I arbitrage most of them. So I have two that I own and I'm building two more uh, than the rest of them are all runner arbitrage. So... I'm a big fan. So what's your, uh, I guess, what would be your, um, oh man, I'm getting an Amber alert. Uh, what would be, what's your strategy for buying? Like, are you, you just using the money from your, uh, from your, from your arbitrage and then just throwing them into buying or is that how it Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm slowly trying to increase the percentage of properties that I own inside my portfolio. Uh, I actually, you know, fell into a pretty awesome deal with, uh, the two that I'm building. So, uh, the regulations in Nashville are pretty pretty tough to get through. Uh, basically, the properties have to be zoned as multifamily. Uh, last spring, I bought a single-family house that's on a multifamily lot. So they're really hard to come by. 
I, I scooped it up. I got really lucky in that deal. Um, but as things went on, I started to learn more and more about real estate. And uh, I learned that I was actually able to get a construction loan uh, to build two more houses. So the two more houses will be able to be zoned in a way to get a short-term rental permit. Um, I got the properties appraised. So the existing house and then the two more additional houses and the appraisal was so high versus the loan amount that I was actually able to get it done without putting any money into it. So I'm able to build these two houses really for free uh, and just have a loan that I'm paying long-term on them. So it's, it's going to be a pretty great deal. Man, that's a good one. That's a yeah, good I'm one. excited about it. That's a beautiful thing. So, so it has to be zoned for multifamily in Nashville to do Airbnb. That's right. Yeah. So it has wow. to be zoned multifamily or commercial. So uh, there's two types of permits. There's owner occupied, uh, which you've probably seen this model in other cities. Owner occupied means that you live there and you rent it out on the weekends or, or, you know, occasionally non-owner occupied means that you don't live there and it's just an investment property. So Nashville didn't, they wanted to try to get rid of uh, short-term rentals and regular residential neighborhoods. Um, so now non-owner occupied properties or investment properties are not typically allowed to be in uh, residential neighborhoods. So that's one way to keep, keep the Airbnbs and short-term rentals out of the neighborhoods and more in kind of like the, the commercial areas. Okay. So, so multifamily would be two, two or more units in the, in the same house, right? Uh, usually here in Nashville, it's a little bit more than that. So like a duplex, for example, is usually not zoned multifamily. Mm. Um, that's usually just zoned residential. Um, so yeah, usually it's four or more, but it just, it really depends on the zoning. I mean, just like I said, I found a, a single family house that was built on a multifamily lot. Um, so there are some gyms out there like that. Um, but yeah, it just varies. So are you, do you house hack? Uh, well, when I first started, the first house that I bought, you know, I rented out to, I had two roommates that were paying about $1,000 a month all in and uh, my mortgage is 2300 So I was basically living for, for pretty cheap. So I did that for a couple of years and now uh, the house that I live in that I'm in right now is an owner occupied permit. So I live here most of the time and then I'll rent it out maybe two weekends out of the month and that covers the mortgage. Mm. Let's take a nice trip somewhere and have it paid for. <laughs> well, I'm going to ask Steve's next question. Are you a minimalist? Not quite. <laughs> I'm always buying more junk. So, uh, well, it, minimalist? well I, I'm definitely not. I study it. I study it. I, I listen to the minimalist uh, podcast, one of my favorite right. ones, but, um, I guess we had a guest on the show that she also, she likes to, she has a nice house, big house over there in Seattle. And she likes to travel with her family around the world mm -hmm. all year long. You know, she does the homeschooling thing. And so she rents out her house, this big ass giant house and bunk beds everywhere and makes enough profit to not only pay the mortgage to travel all around, right. live this lifestyle they want to live. And her main thing was to be able to do something like that, to, to leave at the drop of a hat she has to enforce instill minimalism in her family. So they won't have a bunch of junk. They have to go put into a storage or put into right. the garage or put into whatever. And I'm, I'm in that situation right now. I just listed my, my home today that, um, cause I'm going to South Padre Island next on Tuesday. So I was like, well, shit, I might as well Airbnb it while I'm gone. You know what I'm saying? Why not? We got so much stuff here. This was, this house wasn't really meant to be an Airbnb. And yeah. so I know I'm going to be putting a lot of stuff in, in the garage or something like that and just keep it off limits. And, um, 
and having to do it that way. But that's why I guess Micah was, I think Micah was asking if mm-hmm. you're a minimalist, if you can just, Oh, you know, I, this is a prime weekend coming up. I'm just going to leave and rent it out, you know, and, and you don't have, you don't have to do too much. Yeah. I mean, you definitely have to set the house up if you want to use this, this sort of house hacking, uh, locks on the closets. So my, my, the master bedroom, uh, has a lock on the closet. Basically, you know, everything that I have out in this house, um, is set up for a short-term rental. Um, all my other stuff is locked up. I guess I, I could fall into the minimalist category in that, in that sense. Um, basically, uh, after I started this business, uh, maybe within a year, I left my, my corporate sales job and moved to Bali. So when I did that, it kind of refreshed everything. I, and I was living out of just a, you know, a backpack for, for a while. So when I came back, I didn't really need as much stuff in my house as I would have beforehand. How's the, how's the Airbnb or short-term rental market in Bali? Uh, well, I, you know, it's actually really good. And I went over there with some plans to get some places over there, but uh, it's just a little bit risky. There's things don't work the same over there. Uh, and basically you'd be breaking the law uh, by having a short-term rental. A lot of people still do it, but uh, the risk was, was pretty high. So I wasn't willing to really take that risk. So, so when you left your corporate job, did you already have like rentals in place to, to support you? Yeah, I did. So I think I, I, I found two rental arbitrage apartments. Uh, that's how I started out. Uh, and within a couple months, I'd found like a couple more. I, I think I had two and maybe two in the pipeline. And, and I kind of decided that I was just running numbers and realized that, hey, once these things are all fully running, this is going to cover my regular living expenses. Um, and so then I was like, look, I'm going to keep on growing this business and then leave my corporate job because I really saw it as a way out. Um, so yeah, when I had two, I had two in the pipeline is when I decided that I was going to leave. And then I grew it up to maybe, I probably had about 10 by when I, when I actually put in my two weeks notice. That's awesome, man. <laughs> so, you, so you reached the point, did you reach the point where you matched the salary you were making at your job? Uh, it was getting pretty close. Yeah. Um, I didn't mean for it to be that way because I can live on much less, especially if I'm living in Bali or if I'm living here and renting out my house. So I'm like mortgage or rent free. Um, so yeah. Isn't that the coolest freaking feeling? Cause like I had that feeling for just a brief, a brief couple months when I was making like, like 4,000 bucks a month at one of my, my Airbnbs, the house mm-hmm. I, you know, a previous house I lived in that turned into an Airbnb until right. they banned it. I was like, man. I'm making like almost as much as I'm, I'm clearing at my job, you know, after taxes, after okay. insurance, after all that, you know, 401k. I'm like, this is, I mean, this is like right, right there. I could see the light, you know, and then uh-huh. they banned Airbnb and, you know, you had to adjust. Well, you got to find, find one somewhere else or figure, figure out a loophole. Um, there might be some loopholes. I don't know. I'd have to dig into the bills that were passed. I, I would say your Steve's loophole is to build a tough shed in the backyard and turn it into and convert it. And then you can rent that out. And then you already have a pool in your backyard. Man, you could kill it if you were there to you rent that out. That's what I would do. <laughs> yeah. Why not? Yeah, no, no. That's a good idea. And lady, I thought, like two block, not not too far from you that does that in Hearst. Out of a tough shed? She turned it into an Airbnb? tough shed into a, a nice-ass. I'm talking. It was nice, man. Wait, so those are allowed, but regular short-term rentals aren't allowed? How does that work? Well, he would be living. he'd be living there. He'd oh, be living so they, in the primary so they have house. A similar, like owner-occupied type exactly. rule. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, here's 
I guess here's the issue with that: with Arlington, it's banned totally, completely. So mm. you can't even do owner occupied in Arlington. Well, what you do in Arlington is you would rent it out to corporate travelers, and then if they're paying, I mean, if you build a shed that's pretty nice, you can rent it out for like sixteen hundred a month. Yeah, that's it's your mortgage right there. It's it's good. It's good. But um, uh, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of ways to skin a cat. So how, uh, real quick? So how did you um, how did you come across your first um, Airbnb rental arbitrage and how and and then how have you like improved your system since then to bag more of them? Yeah, uh, they've they've definitely improved. I'll say that much. Um, when I was doing my my corporate sales job, I had a good year and wanted to buy a second house, um, and I wanted to do an Airbnb with it. I had no clue really much about Airbnb. I just and what year was this? This was 2017. Oh, that's the recent shit. Yep. And um, so I had a friend that did Airbnb. That's really all that I knew. And I asked him if I could buy him a beer to pick his brain. Uh, and when I went there, he was like, look, Travers, I don't buy houses anymore. And he explained to me what he did. He's like, I go and find apartment complexes. He told me the, the permitting rules and the loopholes for that here in Nashville. Uh, just gave me the whole lowdown, how to run the business, um, how to reach out to landlords and what to say to them and all that stuff. Uh, so the next day, you know, I was pretty hungover and, um, <laughs> I was like, man, that stuff that Ricky's doing is really cool. But I mean, I don't think I'm ever going to do that. Uh, then I just started looking on Craigslist and started, you know, putting together a list on Excel of like just a call list, like you do in sales and, uh, started calling them and got some maybes. And after that, I was like, all right, I'm going to do this. And, uh, you know, I probably made 30 or 40 calls the first day and got a couple maybes. And, um, you know, that was enough to keep me going. But now I've been able to improve basically my talk track. I know who I'm supposed to be calling, what I need to say, uh, what properties are going to be the most profitable. So now it's more like 50% or even more of the, of the landlords that I call say yes because of these things. So it definitely gets a lot easier the more you do it. Consistency. Yes, sir. Yep, exactly. Now, now, could you give us an example? Like, um, let's say you're cold calling me. Uh, you know, I, do I what? I, like, am I like the head, uh, own manager of an apartment complex, or how, how does it, it work? It depends. I mean, so the easiest ones to get into are individual landlords. So here, where it has to be multifamily, uh, kind of like a gold mine would be um, a single apartment complex with like eight units that's owned by like an old lady or something like that. That uh, maybe doesn't live in town or just has some places that are available uh, because all you have to do is convince them to rent to you just like a regular long-term tenant. Um, it's harder to call like big apartment complexes uh, that have like leasing agents because they're just taught to say no. They're, they're like the gatekeeper, um, right? So they're, t they're there to tell you no that you can't do that. You have to go higher up, go to their boss, which is the property manager or even higher than that, which would be like, usually a regional director um, and get in that way. So uh, yeah, and it depends on who you're talking to, what you want to say, but definitely never say Airbnb. You want to talk about things as being corporate rentals, business travel, things like that. Uh, Cause it's all, it's all really the way that you phrase it. And eventually they're going to know everything that you're doing. They're going to know what's going on, but you can't just jump in there right away and say, Hey, I want to rent your place and do an Airbnb with it. Because uh, they're going to say no. You have to kind of eat, open them up to the idea slowly. 
So what like what like percentage do you um do you tell them that you're gonna make twenty percent off the rent or how, how does it work? How do you how do you do it? Uh, so you know, there's these big master lease companies out there. Um, uh, Stay Alfred, um, Sonder. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of those. Uh, they they usually do these big master leases. They'll do like a whole floor of an apartment complex while it's being developed. Uh, a lot of the times they'll pay like twenty percent over regular rental rates. So if the apartment rents for a thousand dollars, they're going to do a 10 year contract that says uh, they're, they'll pay $1,200. Um, mm. I, I usually just pay the regular rent. Uh, so there's enough benefits to the landlord for renting to me um, that I can just tell them like, look, I'll pay you just like a regular long-term tenant, but I'm going to maintain your property. Uh, I'm going to do all these different things. Um, so usually I don't pay more than a regular tenant would. So if it's listed on Craigslist for $1,200 a month, then I'll pay $1,200 a month. I like it. Did you tell them also like you won't mess with, you won't um, bother them with like um, calls for a leaky toilet or stuff, you know, small maintenance thing. You tell them that yeah. you can handle those problems. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's what we'll do. We basically turn into like the property manager for them. So we can get things fixed and invoice them back. Uh, we can get their approval to get things fixed and invoice them back. If it's low dollar items, we can fix it ourselves so they don't have to be bothered. Um, all sorts of things. But, you know, the real home run is when you can get into in a big apartment complex that has a 24-7 maintenance person. So uh, they're able to handle all those problems for you. So with 30 units, I get into my nerd questions. Are you fully automated? Uh, well, yes, uh, but I, I kind of have it the old fashioned way of automation where I just have an employee that, that I pay that handles things for me. So that, but then also there's automation involved that makes her job easier, um, as well. So, so, and that's something is your employee a virtual assistant or do you, there someone in the state? She's not, she's Nashville born and raised. Um, I think that it's way better to have you know, either yourself managing it locally or someone that lives there rather than a virtual assistant. Um, if you look at a lot of hosts that do have virtual assistants, if you look at their reviews, they can be pretty low um, because a, a guest is really looking to be working with someone or asking for help from someone that, that is very familiar with the property, that's familiar with the area, that can answer all the questions uh, quickly and actually know what they're talking about instead of just reading off of a piece of paper with instructions, you know, so they don't want something that's cold feeling. Um, they want to feel like they're staying in a local's uh, apartment or house and, and they're being treated like they're a guest of that local. Gotcha. Cool. And so, cause I've been thinking about getting someone local. I've, I'm on the virtual assistant route. And my thing with how, how much are you deciding? Like, Hey, how much are you, how do you gauge how much to pay someone local? Cause you're going to have to pay a little bit more. How, how are you gauging that? Uh, I put a lot of thought into how I was going to structure my, my pay. Uh, when I first started out, um, I was told to uh, pay my employee about 15% of bookings. Uh, once I started to grow and scale up, um, you know, I did over a million dollars in revenue last year. So Ooh. paying someone $1,500 uh, or $150,000 a year is a lot to manage 20 places. Um, so Basically, I've scaled that back a good bit. Right now, I have a, a combination of uh, a small base salary, uh, including benefits, uh, and then a, 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 like a 4% uh, 
uh, commissions, you know, of 4% of payouts or revenue. So she, she's incentivized to, to do a great job. We have our, our, you know, goals are aligned. She wants to maximize my revenue the same way I want her to. We want to get a high occupancy rate. We want to get good reviews, all that stuff, uh, because we have the same goal in mind, which is money. Now, a question. Did, did this happen after you actually cut her the $150,000 paycheck? And then you're like, hey, uh, you know, this ain't going to happen again, right? Uh, yeah, kind of. Yep. Because <laughs> <laughs> so, I guess my question is your hiring process. How did you find this person? And how, what was your so hiring th- process? This was uh, my, my first cleaner. So mm. she was the first cleaner that I hired, the first person that I've ever hired. Um, and she's worked her way up and now she runs my whole business. I was going to say 150 G's highest paid cleaner in the history of the world. Yeah. Travers <laughs> <laughs> um, don't play. Yeah. So I, I, it, it, well, good. is she in control of like all the other automations, like messaging, um, cleaning, messaging, all that she controls all of it. She, she handles everything. Um, you know, everything's changed a little bit since COVID-19 happened. I've basically stepped in and I'm a full-time employee myself. Um, before that, uh, I basically had it, you know, where she was running everything. Um, I would find the places. So, I mean, if I want to grow, which the good thing about being, you know, funded by myself is that I don't have to grow unless I want to. If I don't, if I don't have a good feeling about the next six months or unless I, you know, find a property that I really like and that I think it's going to be really profitable, I don't have to grow. When I do want to grow, then uh, it's up to me to find the places. Um, and it really got to the point where she, I would find a place and tell her when we're going to move in and then uh, she would handle the rest from there. So with, with you uh, hosting in Nashville, because Nashville is a pretty popular place, like you were just saying, mm-hmm. how did, did COVID have a huge effect on your business? Oh, yeah, it was, it was big time. I mean, you know, you look at a lot of the leisure markets. So everything stopped for a little while uh, in, in April. So no matter where you were, no one was really getting normal tourist bookings. Uh, the things that started to pick up first were the leisure markets. So stuff like beaches and mountains. Uh, and you can imagine if you're looking to take a trip last month or this month, most people are looking to just isolate. They just want to go somewhere with their family. So they'll go to the mountains or the beach. No one really wants to come to Nashville where the main thing is going out on Broadway in a crowded bar during a pandemic. So, uh, so yeah, it's been pretty tough. I think I watched my revenue go from or my, my occupancy per se, go from about 90% to less than 8% within about four days. So, so have, when that happened, how did you, what did you do to get that occupancy back up? Uh, well, when it happened, my, my heart dropped. Um, <laughs> you know, what, what I kind of got a wind of, of what might be happening a few days before a lot of other people did. So um, my first strategy was to say, because I usually have my, my, my pricing pretty high over the next couple months. Well, everyone was still booking trips. This was like mid-March. Everyone was still booking trips. So I went and lowered all my pricing basically down to like really low pricing. Like it was like just a couple of days before um, is how low I had it. And I got like tons of bookings uh, for the next couple of months. So basically enough to cover my rent and expenses. So I was in my head, I was like, look, I'm all good. Even if everyone cancels, I still have enough money to cover uh, what I have to pay every month. 
And then I went down to Costa Rica and I was supposed to go to Argentina for a month. And um, right when I landed in Costa Rica, I, I found out that Airbnb was giving full refunds. And that's when my heart dropped. And that's when I said, man, I got to get on the next flight back. And I don't know what I'm going to do, but I have to do something to try to save this business. Because the way that I saw it was that I was probably going to go bankrupt trying to keep my business alive and end up with no money and no business and uh, back at square one like I just graduated college or something. So um, luckily, I was able to do a bunch of things that, that have saved me and I actually haven't lost any money at all. I'm actually growing and have picked up some, some really, really high quality properties that I normally wouldn't have been able to get uh, because some of my competitors have gone out of business. So it's been pretty awesome. Use it as a business opportunity. I love it. Yes, right. sir. Yeah, that goes back to what uh, Micah mentioned about saturation. That kind of COVID kind of shook out the the pretenders. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing is, like the bigger mass release companies, like I was talking about, that they, they aren't able to adapt as easily. Like, you know, you with three places, you know, if you had three Airbnbs or three short term rentals, I guess you rented them out as long term rentals before COVID. But it would have been a lot easier for you to adapt than it would have been for me with 30 or so properties. Um, but it's even harder for someone with 2000, 3000 properties across the, the world. Um, so a lot of those guys got hit really hard and some of them went, you know, filed for bankruptcy. So, um, so yeah, it's, it was tough for everyone, but it's, but it's just kind of in the way that you have your things set up, uh, whether you can handle it or not. Yeah. Cause it seems like a lot of these places like the stay Alfred's lyrics and things like that. It seems like they kind of, I think they kind of got their money off. They just raised a bunch of money and started getting places, you know, and I don't know if yeah. they just didn't do due diligence and it's crazy, you know, a lot of small fries like us, you know? Yeah. I think they were just growing too fast. And really my biggest fear over the past couple of years was like, cause I just kept investing my money right back in the business. My biggest fear was like, Hey, what if I just grow, grow, grow for like years and I get huge and then something happens like this and it all gets cut up from, from underneath me. So I'm left with, with nothing. Uh, so thankfully last summer I started slowing down. I stopped growing for, you know, starting last summer and, uh, growing my cash reserves a little bit, which, you know, I, thankfully I didn't need them during the COVID-19 thing, but, uh, but I had them just in case. So how does like an event like this help you think about, um, maybe restructuring your business in a way that you won't like one event like this would just bankrupt you, you know, how do, how does, and what, what changes have you uh, put in place to, to prevent something like that from happening? To be honest, it, it kind of instilled my confidence a little bit more. Uh, the way that I see it now is, is if, if we can make it through this last pandemic, which for a, a master lease or a rental arbitrage company, this is about as, as tough as it gets. Um, you know, your revenue just stops coming in and you're stuck still having to pay the bills um, for, for months on end with no end in sight. You know, you, we really had no, no idea how long this was going to last. But um, I'd say really for me now, it's, it's about finding more quality properties that are more profitable. Uh, so keeping my number of properties low and just making sure that they're highly profitable instead of a, like a large number of barely profitable properties i'd prefer to have like better properties or better listings now so that's one thing that i'm taking out of it so what about like um i don't know do you put each property into its own llc kind of thing no i don't do that i know a lot of people that that buy real estate do that um i do have an llc but i have 
I have one LLC that's just for my rental arbitrage properties. I have another LLC that's for the properties that I own. Uh, then another LLC that's for, you know, um, my, my mentoring and coaching uh, Airbnb business and things like that. So I definitely try to keep them separate. But if I were to have 30 separate LLCs, that would be pretty expensive and be, time yeah. consuming. Yeah. I'm just trying to think of ways to to like avoid the whole bankruptcy thing or just to, to bankrupt the little bitty companies, you know, instead of the whole right. thing, whole shebang and lose everything. And I don't know. Yeah. Just, yeah. No, that's, I mean, it's definitely smart to, to think in that way. Um, you know, there's also ways that you can mitigate risk. Uh, one of the things that, that I do, and I hope none of my landlords listen to this, but um, I put a clause in all of my leases that says that if anything were to happen with the local regulations towards short-term rentals, uh, if, if anything happens that uh, causes me to lose my permit, or other, I can't remember, other related actions that caused me to lose my short-term rental permit that's, you know, provided by the, the city of Nashville, uh, then I'm able to get out of the lease with a 30 days notice. So I'm able to put that in all my leases. Uh, the thing that I know that they don't know is that um, if you get three phone calls to the complaint hotline for short-term rentals, then you lose your permit. So if push comes to shove and I really, really want to get out of a lease, I at least have the option to call the hotline on myself three times. So I think <laughs> I've never had to do that and I hope I never have to, but you know, it's, it's a way to get out of the lease. So, um, so yeah, Tra that's one way to, to mitigate the risk. Travers Xanthos, Travers Xanthos with a diabolical plan. That's it. Is that the code like red, that. code red, that's code red, <laughs> hit the button and, uh, and you know, get all my friends to call the hotline on me. <laughs> I actually think now that this has happened, when you saying you putting certain clauses in there, because I do clauses as well when I do arbitrages, I think like pandemic clauses might be like the new thing, you know? Cause oh, like, yeah, hey, for sure. I mean, look, we didn't know it. Because, I mean, me and Steve, we talk a lot about like, hey, what could be the doom of like, what could actually make Airbnb down? And then a few months later, COVID hits and like, oh, this is it. So, but yeah. I mean, we all use it as a learning lesson, you know? So, oh yeah, for sure. Definitely. It was definitely a learning lesson. Yeah. I never thought it would come this fast. I mean, anytime that people would ask me if I was worried about the future, I'd say, look, you know, the good thing about rental arbitrage is that every single year you get the option to renew or not renew. And if you're tracking your revenue and profitability closely, uh, you can make a game time decision each year of whether you want to stay in the property or get out of it. Mm. I didn't think that we would have five days notice, but yeah. we made it. So, so um, in your opinion and your, you know, knowledge and stuff, what has been, what is, what are the most profitable units you have? One bedrooms, two bedrooms or three bedrooms? Uh, yeah. And that's all depends on the market. I mean, the one bedroom places have really high occupancy with lower uh, average daily rates. Um, whereas the, the larger places have lower occupancy, but higher uh, rates. So um, I found that my most profitable properties are larger size houses that you own because the mortgage is lower um, than if you're renting. So those, those are what do best. I'm trying to grow my properties right now uh, with two bedrooms, two baths, because most of my properties are one bedrooms. I'm trying to grow apartment style, you know, units that are two bedrooms, two baths, because they turn, they uh, tend to do really well here in Nashville. Yeah. I go two twos and up, man. That's the best mm -hmm. way to go. It's really profitable. And I guess what, 
One sort of hack is if, if you're in a city that doesn't have uh, short-term rental regulations. So uh, I've experienced this in another city where I was able to take uh, one house and basically put a door up and separate it. So that turned in from a three bedroom, two bath house to uh, a two bedroom, one bath and a one bedroom, one bath, uh, two apartments. So I was able to do two Airbnbs and one property with, you know, the same amount with only one rent amount. So uh, that's just a way to, to increase the revenue and keeping the, the fixed expenses the same. Yeah, man. Cause that, that tough shed I was talking about, she has a tough yeah. shed in her backyard and then, but she split her garage in half and she right. has two one ones in the garage mm-hmm. and then she has a tough shed in the back. Oh, so wow. she lives there for free. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. That's, yeah. that's great. Yeah. Smart man. There's so many ways to skin a cat. Like Steve mm-hmm. always says, man. <laughs> so, many ways. So, so what is like your corporate sales job taught you about, um, you know, this entrepreneur journey with Airbnb? Uh, tons. I mean, you know, I sold copiers. That was my first job and it was, it was really tough just cold calling office buildings and, you know, walking into random offices and trying to get a meeting with the CEO of the company, uh, all day, every day. Before that, I really was, you know, kind of shy growing up. So just the cold calling experience in general has helped me tremendously, um, you know, with just getting out there and, you know, taking chances, not being embarrassed or scared to, to get a no back. So that's definitely where it's helped me the most. How often was the Rob Schneider skit brought up at your job? Making, making copies, the copy oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we definitely heard that one a good bit. Yeah. No, that's, that's cool. Cause I mean, that's what everybody is terrified is with the cold, you know, the cold calls or the door knocking stuff like that. It's just, it, that's why most people don't do it, man. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, my advice to, to anyone that's younger, that's, you know, maybe about to graduate college, uh, is to just take a job, uh, a sales job, an entry level sales job. That's tough like that. Sell copiers, sell payroll. Uh, cause it's going to serve you the rest of your career knowing how to do that. That's cool. So how did you go about, uh, what did you tell your boss when you were leaving? So I was on to a, another job. I was doing healthcare, like software sales. And, um, you know, he, he knew that I had the business. He didn't know how well it was doing, but he was very understanding. Um, I just explained to him that I wanted to continue growing that business. And, uh, you know, we're still in touch to this day. That was a couple of years ago. And I know that I have a home if I, if I need to go back there and, uh, you know, everything ended very cordially. Now, here's the thing. Like, if we can go back to this real quick about the whole, um, your, your assistant was going to, was going to pull in 150 G's and you, <laughs> and, and you had mentioned, you know, that's, that's a lot of money for, for just running 20 units. But I, it reminded me of this. I had a professor one time, you know, and, and they, and he said that a lot of, um, a lot of bosses or owners of a company or something like that, will all of a sudden get this like uh, rock star salesperson and they'll, and they, oh, yeah. th- and they'll make more money in commissions than the actual owner or the, or the boss or whoever. And then their salary will pass surpass that person. You know what I'm saying? Right. He goes, yeah. and a lot of bosses will get, you know, they don't, they'll get like offended by it and then they'll like try to cap them because that's, that's a terrible thing to do. And I'm not saying that, you know, I'm sure your, yours is a different, I mean, she's, maybe she's not adding units to your mix. Maybe if she was adding more units, she learned the game and she was over here. I got us five more units. I got us 10 more units. Then you wouldn't want to put a cap on her or or try to like bring her salary down. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a lot different 
when you're talking about a salesperson than someone that's managing operations of a business, you know. Now, did you think about teaching her the sales part of it or trying to go get units, stuff like that? So if I was really trying to grow like crazy, um, then that might be something that I would look into. And I, I did put a, some thought into that. Uh, I put a plan together to really expand. Um, but I just realized that's not what I want to do. Like I don't, I could go out and find investor money um, and then grow, grow, grow. But I, I would rather have this business passive, under control, focused on other modes of generating income um, and grow it with my own money. So I've decided to steer clear of that route. Okay. And, and could you throw at us some, um, maybe some Travers um, STR hacks, you know, how to set up a badass STR, kind of like to differenti differentiate you from the pack without, you know, go, you know, spending a, a shit ton of money. Yeah. I mean, so basically what I, what I did is I, I picked one of those big mass release companies. Uh, I reached out on LinkedIn to all of their ex employees and current designer employees and actually found one that still works there. Uh, asked her if she did any freelance work, took her out to coffee and basically just got the rundown of how they do their onboarding and where they buy all their furniture from. Uh, so then, you know, if you go look at my properties, most of the newer ones look very, very professional. They look like I paid a decorator. Um, so I would say just find something that you like and just mimic that style. Uh, you can order everything online. Um, have it shipped to you so that you can, you know, basically collect everything beforehand before you're supposed to move in. And then you have it all with you so you can move in and have the place ready in 24 or 48 hours. Um, but, you know, just copying the same accent walls that they do, the same throw blankets and throw pillows, um, similar type of rugs, things like that. There's all sorts of hacks to get things for, you know, for less in price. One of the things that I've done a ton is go on, um, Etsy and bought the PDF, like the, the, you can buy the, the PDF uh, version of prints. So I'll go there, pay $2 and 50 cents for this PDF of this print. And then I'll go to the UPS store and get uh, 50 copies of it printed out. And then, uh, you know, on 12 by 18 paper, go to Walmart and get a $2 frame. And this is like, you know, a $50 piece of wall art that I have for, for, you know, less than, less than $4 a piece. So, uh, using those PDF prints is, is really useful. Uh, one thing that I do a lot is, is adding throw pillows, adding color to the room really helps because what you're really trying to do is get the best photos that you can. So if you can add color, make things stand out, uh, throw pillows can be expensive. If you go to a store like target or, or whatever, uh, if you go in person, but if you go on Amazon, you can order a bunch of just uh, the, the throw pillow cases, pick all these different colors matching off of whatever uh, decorator you're, you're mimicking and order the cases, then order the inserts. So you're getting maybe $10 per throw pillow, throw a couple of those on the bed or a couple on the couch. And you know, that really does a lot for the, the profile picture for the listing, you know, it does. It does. It looks pretty, but they're not really very functional, are they? They don't do much, but they, they do get bookings. <laughs> You've seen a long cane poly. Um, real quickly, you kind of glossed over something, and it's cool, and, you, and you're using your skills and, and your abilities. Um, you kind of reached out to the, to the girl that was doing this, help setting up the master leases, you know, dropped into the DMs or whatever, invited her out for some coffee. 
<laughs> I think that's pretty clever, man. I mean, so people won't even think of that, you know? Yeah, this, it, was, it like, definitely solved a business problem for me. I was, I was really struggling to figure out how to improve my onboarding process. Um, and that worked well. I also did the same thing on LinkedIn to figure out how to structure my property manager, how to structure my management portion of my business. So I found an ex employee of one of these companies that basically gave me the full rundown on how the pay structure worked, how like the operations uh, procedures worked, things like that. So it really helped me kind of lock in how I wanted to run my business. Now was this ex employee a girl also? It was a guy. That's oh, that. okay. Well, you know, um, <laughs> So yeah, I mean, it was definitely, definitely helpful. It's, it's kind of hard out here. You know, if you don't know many people that do the same thing as you, um, and it's kind of just you and your thoughts and your ideas. So uh, being able to connect with someone that's working for a huge, you know, international company and get their way of doing things that they don't broadcast, you know, over the internet uh, is really helpful. That's cool because people love talking about themselves and their business, right? Right. Yep. And one thing I'm happy you touched on, and I want to, I want, I want to expand on, it is you when you went to LinkedIn. I'm gonna tell you something. I, I you LinkedIn is like useful, man. Like I, I needed oh, to create yeah. a job posting for an interior decorator, and uh, I went to LinkedIn and I just grabbed an interior decorator job posting and I threw it on Facebook and I put my let my uh, letterhead on it, all my business. Uh -huh. I started getting just hits left and right. Hey, I do that. I do that. Man, LinkedIn is valuable. You ain't on oh, LinkedIn, yeah. man. You can, you can definitely get some valuable stuff. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's a huge part for prospecting and sales. I used to use it all the time. Yes, sir. Yeah, I get sales people hitting me up on LinkedIn in my inbox all the time. So, yeah, LinkedIn. Yeah, LinkedIn. I mean, you can see who's at the business. You know, you can find out just through Google what uh, basically how the company sets up their email. So, if you can find the person's name and their position, you can just – you know, you know their email and you can reach out to them directly that way. Yep. Love LinkedIn. So, oh, yeah. so what, so what's your big goals, uh, Travers is, is you trying to be a millionaire or are you just trying to, you just, you just want to find, you're happy with financial freedom. Um, I'm definitely happy with financial freedom. Uh, I want to continue making money and growing my income sources. Um, so definitely millionaire in the past, but, uh, I'm not trying to be a billionaire. Um, I, I don't believe in push, push, push. A lot of the guys out there, David Goggins and, you know, that type of mindset. Um, I think that, uh, you know, one of the biggest things for me is when I left my job, now I'm able to spend all my time thinking and strategizing for what's best for, for me uh, and my business. So I'll continue growing that, growing other streams of income and, uh, and continue relaxing and traveling and paragliding and, doing the stuff I love to do as well. <laughs> Can't beat that, man. So this COVID thing hit you pretty hard with the no traveling stuff, huh? Yeah, it's been pretty rough. I'm trying to, my house is written out for like two weeks at the end of July and I'm trying to figure out where I can go, but it might have to be domestic. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I'm thinking about taking a little trip down to Miami or something just to get out, man. Yeah. I'm not used to this not traveling crap, man. Right, where do you like to go? Man, I usually like to hit cruises. I like to nice. cruise down to Mexico, cruise down to the uh, Bahamas. Cruise I was trying to hit a Jamaican place. cruise. So, man, it's just, it's, man, messed me up. I was supposed to hit New York this oh, year. Boy. Oh, man. Well, hopefully you're, you can save some money and, and do it again soon. Yeah, yeah. Everything, things are starting to open back up. My boy's down yeah. on South Beach right now. He just posted oh, really? pictures. So, it's stuff's opening <laughs> up, you know. Oh, so. yeah. It's starting to get the 
get that time of the year too. I guess it's always that time down there. Yeah. Yeah. You get some, get some great deals in New York right now, man. Go. <laughs> yeah. Good on New York. <laughs> you should some there. Yeah, I don't think New York's the spot, but yeah, uh, <laughs> Miami though, that's definitely looking real tempting. <laughs> yeah, international travels are pretty rough right now. I like I like Barcelona a lot. I like Europe. Um, I, of course, my wife's from Mexico, so we go there a lot. But you know, nice. we're holding off on that, so we're just yeah. waiting for everything to clear. But we are going to South, like I said, South Padre next week. So I had to, I had to book oh, something, nice. man. I had to do something. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I feel you, man. Yeah, uh, yeah. The stuff seems to be opening up slowly. Um, I'm probably gonna be going to Europe or something. Hopefully, this summer if they'll let Americans in there. So I know one of the countries will. What? Yeah, want somebody will. Jeez. But yeah, how? So with everything, has everything bounced back for you? And like, have you decided to look at like direct bookings or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, uh, no, it hasn't completely bounced back. Basically, what I first did is, um, I mean, most of my places are filled with month to month renters. They're basically just breaking even for me. Um, so I, I think I only have eight properties that are, that are being run as Airbnbs or short term rentals right now. Um, but I've seen a huge uptick in bookings. I think I had eight bookings before noon this morning. So uh, it's definitely putting a smile on my face. I got four new properties. Um, yesterday four new two bedrooms that like i said I, I wouldn't have been able to get normally and i just have to look at it i might take a little bit of a loss this year but when things are back to normal these places crush it and um you know i would be able to live easily off of just these four places myself so mm. i'm excited about those um i listed them on airbnb yesterday and uh and i've already gotten you know i guess i got three thousand dollars worth of bookings for one of them um today uh, in July and the rent is about $2,100. So I'm covering rent already for July. And, uh, so yeah, it's pretty, pretty good to hear, uh, for me. Um, I'm feeling good about that. I have done gone to direct booking, which I never did before, uh, until today. I actually, right before we started this, I was making a, uh, a social media post on Canva for 20% off for my friends. Uh, on my direct booking site. So hopefully I can get some bookings through there. Question, how are you, how are you driving people directly? How are you driving your traffic to get to you directly for, to directly book with you? Yeah, so I mean, I haven't exactly figured that out yet, but some of the strategies that I'm using, um, I'm using OwnerRes, which is a really great management platform tool or multi-channel uh, platform. Um, one of the things that I'm doing is I'm sending out a, a lease or like a renter's agreement to all my, my, all my guests. So whenever they check in, they have to sign this lease agreement or this renter's agreement. But what it's actually doing is capturing their email addresses. So whenever they send their email address, so now I can send emails to them afterwards. And I have 4,000 stays a year normally. So that's 4,000 email addresses where I'm able to send them like, Hey, what's happening in Nashville next month? Here's a code pass this along to your friends and get them 50, 15% off of their booking, which, you know, 15% is the same as getting a booking for, from Airbnb for me. Mm -hmm. So um, that's one of the ways, another way is just going to be marketing it through social media and that sort of thing. So we'll see what comes of it. Um, I know a lot of people have had some success and hopefully I can do the same. Dude, I'm, I'm, I'm still learning it, man. I, uh, I'm doing email marketing, text message marketing. I'm, uh, I'm still learning it. So I'm you like, are. Yeah, yeah, I'm doing slick text and I'm using what is uh, that? 
it's a email marketing, a text message marketing campaign. So you can, uh, what I did was I had my VA go through and just scrub all, every single guest that's ever stayed with me, scrub their uh, phone numbers. And I just do it in slick text. And so oh, nice. Yeah. And I, I want to do that. Yeah. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty useful. Uh, hey, I haven't seen you stay with me three years ago in Nashville. Yeah. And most people out. remember, you know, they, I'm yeah. like, Hey, this is such and such. You stayed with me. And, uh, and I include my direct booking link. Um, I'm right. using, uh, what is it called? I'm using your reporter. Okay. Uh, I've heard of that. I, I definitely got to set up that way. You're capturing emails. I like that, that capturing emails. Well, another thing that I learned too is, uh, some people are doing, you know, when you're like in a hotel and you want to use the Wi-Fi and they make you put in your email address mm-hmm. uh, to get logged on. Well, you can do that in your short term rental. So basically you're not just getting the person that booked the place, but you're getting like all the people that signed onto the Wi-Fi. you're getting their email addresses. Oh, yo, I think that's, that's the hell of a <laughs> one right there. Yo, yeah. I like that. I like that. That's like I, anybody I, who stays in. I can't remember what it's called, but, um, yeah, we got to put that in the show notes. We got to get to know what's that. That was, that was, that's next level. That's what I want right there. <laughs> yeah, that is. Yeah. That's what we need. I was like, cause I'm, I've been like sitting over here struggling. I'm like, man, I got to find a way to get people like, uh, our last guest, uh, Adam Johnson, he's killing it. Like he showed his calendar. It's like 80% direct booking. Really? How is he doing it? He's doing it through, he literally just sends them a text when they check out. Hey, here's the link to come to my website the next time you're in town. Easy. Easy. He's not even doing a discount code or anything. Yeah. He's just, I'm like, dang, man, I got to do something, you know. And I, well, I mean, me, you I'm more that automated, right? Yeah. See, I'm, I'm a very, I'm like, how do I automate it? How do I automate it? Because mm-hmm. like, I, I can't send no text messages to everyone, you know. So, yeah, man, that, now that's a good idea, especially if you can grab it from the Wi-Fi and it shoots to like a database. Well, then you use like MailChimp or something like that. To See, and I'm using that. them as well. Yep. You are? Okay. What was that thing that you, you hit slick text? Yeah, slick text. I'm going to do that too. Yeah, yeah. And you just create a, you can create a little text word and they opt in. Or you can just go scrub every single past guest and shoot them an email. So you got a VA text. to do that? Yeah, a VA to just scrub all that. I was like, hey, they'll scrub every, uh, he logged into the Your Porter app and he just scrubbed all their phone numbers. Hmm. It was like okay. 1,800 phone numbers that we were able to grab. Only like 10 emails. There was only a few emails, but all the yeah, phone numbers. the emails usually don't come in. Yeah. It only grabs, your portal only grabs the emails if they post their email in the... Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Unless you have like that renter's agreement thing that I... See, yeah. how, and how does that work? Yeah, that's, it's through owner res. Maybe um, your porter has the same thing, but that's just set up where they, they have to like... I don't really push for it. It says in the email like you have to sign this before your stay um but that's really it if they don't sign it i'm not gonna like tell them they can't stay or i won't even bring it up again it's just an automatic thing to see like whoever signs it now i have their email address oh you know what i'm gonna do i have a little idea i think i'm gonna (laughs) on my first check-in when they check in hey if you send us your email something i'll start doing something like that i'll come up with something you know I, i just don't like one thing I don't, don't like doing, I don't like advertising it directly through Airbnb. So I have to come up oh, with like no, a... no, you can't do that, man. You'll get... Exactly. I mean, if they catch you, they'll kick you off and you're exactly. in trouble. See, and that's what I was don't, trying to don't like... play around with that. Yeah, me and either. See, and that's what I've been doing it through like emails, texts. Uh, I've been trying to figure out the way to like maybe get them to send me their email through the Airbnb app, but make, make it look like it's for something else, you know, and just get it captured. So... Right. Um, yep. Yeah, I would just... 
be careful. Yeah. See, and I haven't done it yet because that's why I've been – because they were like, man, just do it through. I'm like, ah, I don't want to take that risk, you know. Yep. I hear that. But I like that, that Wi-Fi one. I like that. <laughs> Going back quickly to um, – so what differentiates your places like from like a people, some people that come to stay at hotels in Nashville, what makes your place, you do you do guest books, you do coupons. I don't know. Do you do different things? Uh, I mean, really the way that I look at sh- sh- Airbnbs or short term rentals compared to hotels is that hotels, I mean, you could stay at a Hilton garden Inn in Dallas, Texas, and then fly to Madrid the next day and stay in Hilton garden Inn and wake up the next morning and have no clue which city you're in, right? Uh, they all look the same. While that's good sometimes, if you're a business traveler, you're going to be there for one night. You just want to get in and out. You know there's going to be cookies at the front and you know you know how the layout is going to be. But for the normal traveler, you want to really get the experience of the place that you're going. So my favorite Airbnb that I've ever stayed in was in Berlin. It was in a really cool neighborhood that was like a local's neighborhood where there's all these cool local restaurants and uh, it was just a, a little studio above a restaurant. I walked in there and it was basically like the host just walked out. You know, they, they threw some like sheets over their clothes and just walked out. All their food was in the fridge. Everything was just like, you know, they were still there. Uh, and it was just a really cool experience because I felt like I was living like a local. I was like living like a Berliner above this restaurant and I got to stay there for five days which is a totally different experience than staying in a Hilton uh, that's down in the hotel district. So I like to kind of give that same experience with my places here in Nashville. They all have unique touches. They all have a guitar on the wall. Um, you know, just things that are inherently Nashville uh, that they want to experience. So if they're coming from Seattle, uh, they can kind of feel like they're getting a little bit of that culture in the place where they're staying. I think that, man, that's really cool. That is really cool. I'm gonna put you in touch with Adam Johnson, by the way, or yeah. a guy that was on our show, and he's a he lives over in Tennessee, also. Where'd you oh, say Clark, Clarksville? Clarksville. Okay, yeah, that's right. And, yeah, he's the one crushing it on the on the what's the direct bookings. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Uh, yeah. I saw something of like maybe a Facebook post or something, maybe in like a short term mental group I'm in. He was posting because I remember him posting a picture of his direct bookings and was like these this color is all direct bookings. Yeah. Ari, yeah. I simplified. That's him. It must. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Well, I need to listen to that episode. Oh yeah. He was like, just, uh, he, he just does it with a text message. I was like, dang man. Does that. Then I think he said, doesn't he, I mean, Clarksville is smaller than Nashville. He like is from there and like, you know, reaches like just basically word of mouth type stuff. Mm-hmm. And see, and I have a place that's very similar to his because Clarksville, I think is right next to an air force base. And I have a couple of listings right next to an Air Force Base, too. Oh, nice. And one thing I do get, like, I get a lot of Air Force families. Like, one lady just told me, hey, the next Air Force family that comes in, I'll let them know about your place. You know, mm-hmm. so I kind of get the benefit of that. Oh, nice. Well. Yeah, that's perfect. So, yeah, I'm trying to go as direct as possible. So, that's my goal. Yeah, and, and even the next pandemic, for sure. Yeah. And Adam Johnson is the subject to king. So he knows how to get properties under subject to, you know what I'm saying? Instead of having to go through banks to buy them. Yeah. Yeah. He's the subject to King. So you definitely, you definitely need to get with him on that. Yeah. That'd be awesome. I'd love to connect with him. Yeah, man. That's some, that's some good stuff. I just learned. Yeah. Cause I'm about to go nerd out and figure out how to uh, get that Wi-Fi stuff going. (laughs) I was like, 
Um, I, I'll find it for you and send it to you. I'll yeah, send, send that to me because I'll uh, let everybody on the all the listeners know about that one. That's a that's a smart idea. Matter of fact, if any of the listeners listen who's listening know about it, send us a message. I want to know what that is. <laughs> I, okay, I got it. It's called Stayfi. S T A Y F I dot com. Stayfi dot com. Yep. Oh, I need to figure out how to make this work. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It's called Join the D- Book Direct Revolution. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, man. I like this, man. Collect emails from every guest. Dang, I like that. Yep. Shoot, I mean, if your neighbor's hopping on your Wi Fi, you figure it out, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but do you guys, when you go domestically, do you get on the Wi Fi? Because I usually don't. I mean, my phone is unlimited data, so. No, I don't. I hop on for like my laptop or my iPad and stuff like yeah. that. See, but the thing is, though, I have, I haven't had the question in a long time. And hey, what's the Wi-Fi? But it's the same because I send it automatically. So, but I know people are using it. Think about it. The biggest, the biggest way I would see the benefited if you put it on the TV. So when people got to watch Netflix. They got to log in or you just tell your your cleaner every time disconnect the I'll TV. I'll be so pissed. You, you what? I know, you'd be pissed, but. <laughs> there was like a little scrolling to pick an A, scroll to pick the S. Yeah. yeah. That's that a is a, it has a downfall to it. Every time you turn on the TV, it resets and another email has to come in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. But I'm like, man, but if you. That is a thing to think about, how many people actually connect. But there are a lot of people, I think, that use the uh, phones, tablets. I think that's where most of your people yeah, are. Yeah. Tablets and laptops, I think that's yeah. mostly. Phones, yeah. tablets, laptops, yeah. Especially right. if you're, like, for the business class. The business class is what you want anyway. They're right. going to be on their laptop. Their laptops, yeah. yeah. I mean, gonna- so I've thought about how to – I mean, because, like, a lot of times I'm only booked during the weekends. So I've thought about how do I get, like, some actual corporate travel clients – and thought about how I could find those. And one of the things was I wanted to go to the airport uh, to like enterprise rent a car and see if I can get someone to tell me like what company sends people to Nashville a lot. You know, if I can find a company and reach out to their HR and be like, look, I'll, I'll give you guys work out a deal. We can set a contract. Um, you know, that could be a way to do it because people that don't want to stay in a, in a hotel, they want to have their, their kitchens and, and laundry and things like that. I don't know. Just one way I thought of getting in there. One thing you could do, like if you want to find like the businesses that are coming to your area, man, go to a, uh, <laughs> this is a little trick. This is a trick that my friend told me. He's like really big in STRs. Go park your car at the, uh, the local, uh, what's it called? What are those places called? Uh, the, um, like the longer term stays, the hotels for the long term oh, yeah, stays. Yeah. Um, whatever they're called, just go park just up there and then there and be like, Hey, for the same price, I got you, man. Oh, like, no, no, no. Follow me. He, follow me. He, he grabs the, the, the corporate number off of all their trucks, the construction workers, cleaning companies. He grabs it, puts it in a database and he just calls their corporate office and tells them oh, about man. the place. It gets on their housing list. Wait, say, say that again. He gets the numbers from what? He gets it like, like their trucks, whatever it is they're coming in. Oh, like the phone numbers. If they yeah. have, he just them. grabs it puts it in a database and he just calls their corporate office and be like, Hey, I have houses in the area. Uh, we have a little bit, few more amenities to where your guests, where your uh, employees are currently yeah. staying. And they'll just call them up directly every time That's they awesome. have somebody come. That's great. 
Yeah. I got to try that. Yeah. I, mean, I, have, I have a bunch of construction workers that are paying weekly and that's like really saved, saved me during this whole thing. Man, construction workers saved me too, man. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. They saved me too. Well, cause I think they're, they're normally staying in the places you're talking about now. I mean, I had these guys like this one super nice three bedroom property that I was getting out of. It was really, it cost me like 34 50 a month in rent and it wasn't doing well. And I basically found someone to replace me, but I had to kill two months. And so and it was not getting any bookings during the COVID thing. So I put some construction workers in there. They were paying like 500 bucks a week and they had this like, really, really nice house. They're getting spoiled big time with it, but at least I was making some income from it. Heck yeah. As long as you didn't go under, man, that's what you got to be thankful for, you know? You a Nashville Predators fan? Uh, Yeah, I am. I don't make it so much to their uh, games, but definitely a fan. They're they're a lot of fun to watch and Nashvillians love them. So they, um, COVID kind of cooled them down. They were were on like a hot streak at the end there. Yeah, I know. Uh, COVID's definitely put a a den on lots of sports teams. It's all year. coming back, but there will be no fans, so that kind of sucks, but, you know. So are they going to do, like, college and NFL football? I hope so. I hope so, too. I haven't been you're, you're in Nashville, so that's where – is that where the Vols play? No, they're out of Knoxville. Knoxville, I'm sorry. Yeah, they're in Knoxville. Okay. I hope yeah, so. Man. I don't know. Like, the, the SEC said they're moving forward regardless. I was like, dang. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, about that life. Yeah, so I don't know. It'll, it'll be interesting to see. I know basketball comes back at the end of next month. So, yeah, at Disneyland, no drug tests. They all be stop- They all gonna be. Oh, Disney World. I'm sorry. That's where they're holding it. Mm-hmm. Somewhere over there. That's Somewhere over there. The campus is over there. Anyways, know. there's gonna be no drug testing. I hear so it's gonna be a lot of stoned, stoned players playing. Yeah. Oh, they already. Pa- oh, that's the NFL pass. <laughs> yeah. That's- oh man. Well, thank you so much, Travers Xanthos, for hopping on. Yeah. It's been a great show. Um, anything else you'd like to add? Anything you'd like to inspire some guests out there or some host, um fans yeah. out there uh, to get started or try it out or you know anything like that? Yeah, I'd say. I mean, just give it a shot. There's there's tons of opportunities to take advantage of right now. Um, some other companies that that went out of business and couldn't make it through. So you can pick up their properties. A lot of uh, landlords are having trouble finding tenants right now. So it's a good time to get in there and at least solidify yourself, even if you're going to break even until next spring. Uh, But you can get these properties now and set yourself up for later. And uh, I actually have uh, a guide that I put together for people that teaches them how to take advantage of the opportunities from the pandemic. So it's a free guide. They just go to thestrmethod.com. The STR, so that's the short term rental method.com, strmethod.com, and download the free guide. And uh, that's enough to get you started and get you going. So, but yeah, everyone keep their head up. You know, we're going to get through this soon and, uh, and keep chugging along. And, and where else can folks find you? Uh, yeah, so that website or at Traverzanthus on Instagram. So at Traverzanthus, you'll probably put that in the show notes, but it starts with an X last name. Hold on, let me get your Instagram right now. I add you up, man. At Trevor Xanthos. Cool, man. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed the conversation with you guys. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. We learned a lot. We appreciate it. Yeah. So hopefully, yeah, we'll we'll hop on you can hop on again and tell and tell us about your progress and what you're doing in the future. 
I was thinking I got some some other real estate plans I can come talk about in a year. So sweet, yes, sir, man. That was a good interview, man. You definitely dropped some good gems, man. Well, thanks, guys. I appreciate you having me on here. It was a lot of fun. Definitely. All right, All right. man. Anything to add, Micah? Oh yeah, LLT. Thank you for being listeners. Catch us on IG, Facebook, Instagram. We're gonna start doing some TikToking in a few. Uh, but yeah, catch us there and uh, remember to like, follow, and leave us leave us a review. We are out. Later. Peace. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Live, Let, Thrive. Be sure to tune in next week for all the latest in the world of Airbnb and all that entails. Bye bye.